Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone and welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 367 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me this week, Bill Lack and then Doug Gray and now just me. Let me tell you what happened before we get started here and why it it's a solo run t- this week on Relignation Radio. Technical difficulties. Oh, man. We've had some uh, some issues here at Relignation Radio headquarters at, in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And I've just, we've not been able to record. Bill and I, Bill Lack and I, who I know many of you expected based on uh, our Patreon feed. Uh, and then when he, we couldn't get it working with him, I wasn't sure if it was my internet or his. And so Doug Gray agreed to jump on and we tried to record with him and... It was my internet. Now, I think we're good for just me. We'll see. If it's not, then, you know, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen this week. So we're going to plow ahead. You just got to listen to the dulcet tones of Chadwick Dotson this week. But, you know, is that really such a bad thing? I mean, come on. Is that, re- I mean, clearly that's why you tune in every week. It's not for these other yahoos that join me. Let's hope they don't listen. And please do not tell them that I call them yahoos. This goes for Bill and Doug and Jason and uh, what's that other guy's name? Garber, right? Something like that. So anyway, hey, we're here to talk about the Reds, and you know we're getting ever closer to opening day. And I want to talk about what all happened this week. We'll go through all the news, and we do have some viewer mail questions that I want to answer. But the first thing I want to talk about is the kind of sense of optimism that I'm feeling all of a sudden. And listen, if you've listened to this podcast. You know, more than just the last, uh, you know, six months or something. You, I guess you know this kind of happens every spring. And it happens for a lot of us. I'm not the only one. And I know that because many of you tell me. We just get, uh, we just get a little excited when the season gets closer. And, you know, we're, you know, a week, week and a half from, from opening day. And uh, less than a week and a half. Oh, my goodness. It's almost here. And, you know, I know people are... Uh, Freaking out about the spring training record. Our good buddy, uh, super fan, Phil Razor, Red Lake Nation Radio super fan, Phil Razor. He was lamenting the fact that some Reds fans are freaking out over the spring training record. And uh, let me just caution you: don't do that. Don't freak out over the spring training record because it's listen, it's completely meaningless. There's literally zero correlation between how t- how a team does in spring training and how they do in the regular season. Now, we do have to concede here at the house that the rest of them pretty poorly in the uh, in spring training games. It is what it is, right? I mean, you know, uh, these are practice games, and again, it does not correlate. So that's not a reason for your expectations to be lowered or for your excitement to be lowered. If you are still upset at ownership for refusing to, you know, get a shortstop, <laughs> we've kind of talked about that all offseason. That's fine. Be upset with ownership. No issues with that whatsoever. But let's talk about the team on the field. And we've always tried to circle back around to that when we talk about the ownership. This team is not bad. This team is not bad. And, you know, the division's not good. The team is, you know, I don't know if the team is good. I don't know if the Reds are good this year. I wish I could say the Reds are good. They very well might be good. What I can tell you is I don't think they're going to be bad. And in this division, that might be enough as we've talked. So, Spring uh, opening day is getting here, and you just kind of have that hope. 
you just kind of have that as a fan. This is just as a fan, right? Uh, fans can have, use that as their strategy to cope with uh, with the season. You just kind of look at this roster and you see that they're they're not bad. <laughs> you know, like, even with Suarez, you know, my piece at uh, at Substack this week at the Riverfront, and I, again, chaddotson.substack.com. I don't really, you know, uh, talk about it too much, but uh, yeah, I appreciate if you subscribe. It's free. It's my newsletter every week where I talk about Cincinnati sports, and and this week was about how. You know, the Suarez move was born out of desperation, as Jason, uh, Lyndon, and I talked about last week. And um, But that doesn't mean that it's not going to work in, ter- in terms of Suarez could be a very good um, shortstop. No, uh, no, let me just, let me rephrase that. He could be a passable shortstop defensively, maybe. I don't expect him to be good defensively, and no one should. And, you know, it is what it is. When he was a, actually was a shortstop, he wasn't that good. There's a reason they moved him to third base. But, you know, if India comes into the, Jonathan India comes into the lineup and I don't know, I, I guess I see a scenario where the Reds have maybe the best hitting shortstop in the National League, or at least, you know, top two, top three, an all-star shortstop. Uh, and, you know, Moustakas at third, going to hold his own, going to hopefully be above average. If India is okay, then you, you have a situation where you've got eight players, in the, well, I don't know, seven players in the lineup. Uh, maybe eight on the days when uh, Tyler Stevenson is not acting like a rookie behind the plate. Um, but I could see, you know, if, if Stevenson starts to become the Tyler Stevenson that I think he's going to be at some point, then you could have a days where you have eight players in the lineup that you could argue are above average, uh, average to above average. And you know what? In terms of offense for their position, <laughs> last year's offense was garbage. We know that in that 60-game season. And again, I caution everyone, don't make too much of that 60-game season. But we can't say anything other than they needed to be be better. And, and they needed to go out and improve that offense. So moving Suarez, this is stuff I said last week. And I don't want to get too much into it any, again. But at least we have a chance of a good offense. And I think, you know, you don't have to squint too hard to see a good rotation. We're going to talk a little bit about the rotation and some of the issues uh, going forward. Or not just the rotation, but the whole pitching staff. But this team has a chance. And when you come to spring, it's really, that's not all you want. You want a team that you expect is going to be a championship contender. But as Reds fans, you know, who've suffered through the last three decades, it's something. We're coming to open day and this team has a chance. They're going to be in the mix. And I don't know. I'm just... We don't know how they're going to play. We don't know how the, if they're going to get off to a bad start or a really good start. And so it's all still out there. And so I, I encourage everyone, be optimistic. Be optimistic. Because, first of all, baseball is supposed to be fun, right? And if you can't be optimistic right now, then man, you're just setting yourself up for a, a rough go as a baseball fan. The years when they were going to lose 95 games, you know, we tried to be optimistic. But the truth is... Uh, it was difficult. Here, you're not, it's not a stretch to be optimistic this year. So I'm going to encourage everyone to try to be optimistic as we move into opening day. Now when they start, you know, 1-12, in 12, you know, we can get back to our moaning and complaining. But not yet, right? Not yet. Okay, let's get into the news of the week. To me, the news, uh, you know, not a whole lot of news. 
but some that is going to impact the Reds. First thing, because to me this is important, it's really not that important, but for me it is. Luis Castillo, you all heard of him. He's a he's a pitcher for this team, and by the way, he's really good. Did you all know that? Oh, okay, yeah, you knew that. Well, anyway, Luis Castillo is, has been named the opening day starter for the Cincinnati Reds. Now, this is a surprise to literally no one that has been paying attention because Sonny Gray, who we'll talk about in a moment, was the other option. Um, I guess Trevor Bauer would have been an option, but the Reds didn't even uh, try to re-sign him, which is fine, whatever. He's not a Red anymore. He's out there in L.A., and so, you know, screw him. <laughs> I'm not going to cheer for a Dodger. So between Castillo and Gray, and uh, Gray is a had the back spasms, and again, we'll get to him in a moment. But So Luis Castillo is going to be the opening start. It's his second opening day start. And um, this is important to me only because I'm still an opening day, uh, you know, fanboy. I'm still, I know, you know, the, the Reds have the tradition and they do still get to start at home every year and, but they don't get the first game and it's, is it still a thing? It's still a thing for me. I went to, I think uh, nine in a row and I don't think I've been to one since. Um, but it was just always, always special. The first one I went to was 1990. Oh, now I'm forgetting 92 or 93. I think 93 maybe. It was Bip Roberts' second year, and uh, Larry Walker hit a big, long, long, long home run off uh, Rob Dill in the ninth. But the Reds won two to one, and uh, Rijo, Jose Rijo was a starter. And let me talk about a good pitcher, Jose Rijo. But it was spitting snow that day, and I was there with my dad and my brother, and it was just a fun time. So that was my first one. I went to a bunch later on, and I've not been, I've probably not been since, I don't know. It's been a while. It's been 10, 12 years, which kind of makes me sad that, to say that out loud. It's just at some point it got to be, you know, I, I'd done it. I'd rather sit on my couch rather than deal with that crowd. Oh, boy, I, I sound like an old guy now, don't I? I'm going to next year's opening day, assuming Bob Castellini is not still on the team. But, um so, so I'm I'm excited to watch Castillo. I like it, but all every team has their has their A game on to the extent that uh, that uh, you know everyone's healthy. But I'm uh, I'm excited to see uh, I'm excited to see Castillo do it uh, get his second start on opening day because he's as good a Reds pitcher as we you know he's he's in the you know he's top ten top twenty of the last twenty years already and hopefully we have we have, uh, we have way more. So Castillo, I felt awesome. After you've told the news, it's opening day. Of course, I'm going to feel awesome. It's just an honor. I think it's so special because it's every pitcher's dream to be the open day starter. Obviously, I've done it once, but to do it twice is even better. You know, he's right about that. Just because it's the second time doesn't mean it's less or more. It's just what I wanted to do. So anyway, whatever. That's not really uh, news, I guess. But again, this goes back to how excited I am that the season's actually here. Opening day. And it's not going to be the same opening day. It's not going to be the crazy crowd like we usually get. But it's still opening day, and it's still Luis Castillo, and the Reds are going to go one and zero, and then they're going to win at least four of their next six games. So what I'm saying is they're going to start five and two at the very worst, five and two. This is this is my guarantee to you, the listener of Red Leg Nation Radio. Not valid in all fifty states. Okay, what else has been going on with the Reds this week? Well, they've been playing out in spring training. 
probably, truthfully, the biggest news of the week was this decision that was made finally by Major League Baseball about some of these players and whether they're going to get an option year, not an option year. And if you haven't followed that closely, I'm not going to really dive into it too much, but the Reds weren't sure if uh, there were three players weren't sure if they would qualify for a fourth option year because of the craziness of, of last season. And what that means is if you, if you have another option, if you get that option year, the Reds can send them down, bring them back up uh, throughout the season. If you don't get an option, then you got to be on the big league roster or you're basically exposed to uh, anything picking you up. So the three players were outfielder Aristides Aquino and pitchers Jose De Leon and, uh, you know, CNL Perez. I've never heard his name pronounced so here i am doing a reds podcast i'm not even pronouncing his name right but it's not like he wasn't you know a top three prospect how do you expect me i'm not doug gray to know how to pronounce these these names so perez and de leon did get another option year which is actually extremely good because uh, both of those are pitchers and frankly it's good to have a big group of pitchers to the extent that you can that can pitch out of your bullpen that you can shuffle back and forth between the minors and the majors uh, it, this day and age, the way things are with uh, with bullpens and the usage of relievers, more usage than ever before, it's good to be able to have that shuttle back and forth to the minor league. So that's good news. But the bad news for Aristides Aquino is that he does not qualify for that fourth option year. So for Aquino, who is, you know, everyone loves Aristides Aquino. Who doesn't? But man, what do we know about him? He had a great August when he first came up, but now he's out of options. So what ultimately what that means is he has to make the roster. Uh, and it's a 26-man roster this year. He has to make the 26-man roster. If he does not, then the Reds uh, risk uh, exposing him to another team. Now, it's, I guess it's possible that uh, no, one would, no one would claim him. But... Ugh. Uh, and let me say, I expect actually at least one of those two pitchers to actually make the major league roster. But if they do, we can still send them back down when guys get healthy, things like that. Aquino, man, it's tough. It's maybe it helps that Shogo Akiyama is going to be on the uh, on the injured list when the season begins. So there's an outfield spot that's open for him, but he's he's kind of uh, he's kind of on the fence. So uh, this probably actually helps his chances of making the uh, the opening day roster just because they got to keep him there. And we've seen that we've seen those uh, shenanigans uh, for a long time. The Reds decide those last few roster spots based on who they can hang on to and who they can send down. So my prediction is that Aquino makes that roster, but what happens when uh, Akiyama gets back? The Reds can't send Aquino to triple a without exposing him to, uh, to waivers. And so uh, they could lose him. And again, some of you right now are saying, who cares if we lose him? What's he done except for one month? That's actually not an unreasonable position to take. My position with Aquino has always been, I love having that guy as like a fifth outfielder, fourth or fifth outfielder. Because he can mash. He can hit a ball a thousand miles. Uh, Check the StatCast data. A thousand miles. And I don't know. I like he's not a bad defensive guy. Good arm. I mean, he's a good athlete. I like having the guy. He's not a starter. Some guys wanted him to be the starter. He's not a starter. Uh, maybe he is. Maybe we just haven't seen enough to know that he is. I don't believe he's a starter. But I like having that bat on the bench uh, to the extent that you can. So 
Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I think he's on your opening day roster, but if he's not, we may not be able to keep him. So that was uh, some some big news this week, uh, those guys. More news? Let's talk about Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray did, he's not pitching a game in, what, two weeks at this point? Uh, and I think that was the only game that he pitched. So he had uh, back spasms, Sonny Gray. And he, this week, pitched a, uh, a bullpen session. And evidently, who knows, according to David Bell, David Bell's the Reds' manager. If you don't know that, how have you listened, you know, to at least uh, 15 plus minutes of this podcast without knowing that? You're trying to learn about the Reds by listening to me? David Bell's the manager and he says uh, that it went well. So good. I hope so. Um, he's going to evidently pitch another bullpen session. He's not going to be ready for the beginning of the season. And that's not good. Because Sonny Gray, remember what I said about Luis Castillo, that he's good? Sonny Gray's good as well. And uh, he's not going to be ready to begin the season. That's not good. But he could be ready pretty quickly thereafter. Another guy, TJ Antone. TJ Antone had some uh, injury issues as well um, this spring. And uh, he really wants to be a starter. We talked a couple weeks ago about how David Bell said he's not going to be a starter. Well, here we are again. David Bell said again this week that he's going to that TJ Antone is going to begin the season in the bullpen. Now, listen, they know more than I do about whether he's whether he's still injured, um, groin injury, hip flexor irritation. You ever had any hip flexor irritation? I guess they're saying that he he hasn't been able to build up to the innings to be a starter. And that's completely reasonable. I just look at the group of starters that they may begin the season with and understand early on, you won't need a fifth starter necessarily. So maybe by the time they need a fifth starter, he's, he's ready. And I just, I th- I believe in Antone more than some of these other guys, but he's going to be in the bullpen. And I won't repeat our discussion from a couple of weeks ago. Um, I guess it's probably been three weeks ago now. It was with, uh, with Bill Lack about what, when David Bell initially said that, Antone would be in the bullpen and he can be valuable in the bullpen and, and actually relievers are increasingly valuable in this day and age because the number of innings they throw relative to starters is like that gap is narrowing and he can go multiple innings. So I can see how he could be a important member of the bullpen and still be really valuable, but I don't know. Uh, Maybe, maybe I overrate TJ Antone. Maybe I just like the fact that his name is TJ, but he spells it T E J A Y. Who does that? I mean, that's that's inner circle Hall of Fame type stuff. So David Bell says, here's this quote, which is interesting. There may be nights when TJ pitches in that multi-inning role, what I was just talking about. There may be a night he comes and gets a big out in the seventh or eighth inning. There might be another night that he closes. He's such a good pitcher and so important to us given his availability on a given night. It could be different. What are your thoughts on TJ Antone? Uh, reach out to me at Dotson C. And let me know because I, I'm, I'm extremely interested. He's... Antone's the guy that I'm most interested in watching this year because I think his ceiling, his ceiling is, you know, Tyler Malley or better, actually. And I can't believe I'm saying that because I'm high man on Tyler Malley. Love Tyler Malley. We'll talk about him more in a little bit. I just, I'm a believer in what he's done to kind of, you know, improve his, uh, himself uh, with, you know, the driveline stuff and all that over the last uh, 
couple of years, and I'm excited to see what he ha- what he does. Wouldn't you rather have him starting than Jeff Hoffman? Not that I don't like Jeff Hoffman. He's another guy that I was really intrigued to see what happens when Derek Red's pitching coach Derek Johnson and Kyle Bodie, the pitching coordinator, when they got their hands on him. That's a guy, and you know, the results this spring have been, uh, you know, it, depending on how you look at it, encouraging. He's the the guy that uh, the Reds got uh, from the Rockies, who uh, they kind of took a flyer on, I guess. And it looks like he's now going to be in the rotation to start the season. So there you go. Uh, but TJ Antone, I want to know what you think about TJ Antone, uh, who has looked dominant at times this spring, and uh, you know has also had some injury issues. Now speaking again about pitchers. Amir Garrett and Lucas Sims. These are the two relievers that the Reds are going to be counting on. And they've both had injury issues this spring. So the news came out this week that Amir Garrett, Lucas Sims, both expect to be ready for opening day. And they've been kind of ramping up their uh, what they've been doing in spring. So that's good. They, the Reds have to have them. <laughs> they absolutely have to have them. I don't know how to, The bullpen is the biggest question mark on this team, frankly, right now. You know, I saw a tweet from uh, one of the Reds beat writers. I don't know. Um, I, I like uh, both the uh, Inquirer beat writers, but I think they're both, I don't know, like 18 years old, I feel like, in comparison to me. They're young. And one of them said something about how before the offseason began, Reds general manager Nick Crawl said that what they really wanted to do was focus on getting a shortstop, and improving bullpen depth. And I couldn't help myself. I, I made a snarky response that they, Nick Carl went about that by, you know, not getting a shortstop and basically giving away two back of the bullpen relievers for free, Rizal Iglesias and Archie Bradley. So because the, they want to get more depth and they gave away uh, two good pitchers, or at least uh, two pitchers that could provide some depth, the Reds are really counting on Amir Garrett and Lucas Sims right now. Uh, Garrett and Sims have both uh, been mostly really good. Both of them have question marks. Sims was great, the spin rate stuff, and looked great last year in this really tiny sample. Is that the guy we have? Amir Garrett sometimes blows people away, and sometimes he kind of, you know, blows up. And sometimes he tries to fight the Pirates by himself. And those are the times when we love Amir Garrett. So they both are extremely talented. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, who's going to be the closer? I don't know. I think probably Garrett has, if they're both healthy, I think Garrett probably has the uh, the inside track on that. But the Reds have to have those guys. What happens if Garrett and Sims are not available for opening day? And again, the news this week was that they would, they will be ready for, they do believe they'll be ready. Um, so I hope they are. If they're not, I think if both of those were not ready. Who's your... I mean, Antone's probably your closer. TJ Antone's probably your closer at that point. And the term, quote-unquote, closer is, again, it's less important than it's ever been uh, in, in big league baseball. Not ever. I mean, you know, less important than it's been since 1984 or something, maybe. This bullpen starts to look ugly if these guys are hurt. There's the thing that I'm worried about. Injuries. Injuries. It, The Reds could be good and I've told you about why I'm optimistic but man if injuries hit them 
Ooh, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that right now. So, fingers crossed. Good news, Garrett and Sims. Through uh, they're throwing live batting practice sessions. They're getting in B games. Um, Sims, I think, is going to get into a an A game. I think here soon. And they both say they're going to be ready for opening day. All right. Other news of the week. Joey Votto. You know Joey Votto. He's back. Votto, of course, uh, tested positive for that stupid, uh, stupid virus. And let me, you know, I got to say this, and I heard someone else say it, so I'm basically repeating what, what I heard someone else say, but is this not the dumbest pandemic of your lifetime? It's the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Shout out to uh, Gary Parrish for that one. Um, never seen a pandemic like this. It's all, it's just, it's dumb. So, Votto's out, he's back. And, uh, you know, he was actually looking pretty good. Again, to the extent that you want to pay attention to stats, he was looking pretty good. Uh, who knows how he's going to... He thinks he's going to be ready for opening day. He's optimistic that it will be, but who knows? He's still on the injured list. Uh, and, and while that's important is that um, if he stays on the injured list, he can still play in spring games, but the Reds can keep him on the injured list if he's not ready for opening day and they can fill that spot. So uh, without having to put him back on the injured list where he'd have to spend... Although, I don't know if it's the, if it's the COVID list. would be the COVID list after he got back, I guess. Ah, boy, this is all crazy. But anyway, they wouldn't have to wait 10 days um, before they activated him again. So, he's back. Fingers crossed. Jury's out. Who knows? Hopefully, he is uh, ready for uh, opening day because it's a conversation we that I had uh, earlier this week. Let's say Joey Votto is not back. Or just... I don't even want to think this, but what if he has an injury where he's out for three months? The Reds do not have a backup first baseman. I mean, maybe it's Mike Moustakis. That caused me to say uh, over on uh, the Twitters, and really, the Twitters are the worst. Stay away. But over on the Twitters, I was just kind of musing that why isn't Jesse Winker working out at first base every single day? Is there anyone on the Reds roster that is a more natural first baseman than Jesse Winker? I mean, he's worked hard to be a decent outfielder. He's not really a decent defensive outfielder. Um, but he's you know, he's not going to kill you out there. But he just doesn't have a lot of foot speed. And uh, he's left-handed. He just seems like a natural first baseman. He can hit. I don't understand why he's not the the backup first baseman. Which, when everybody's healthy, that allows you to get you know, for example, Akiyama and uh, and Nixon Zell both in the lineup gives you another outfield spot, and it, it you know it keeps good bats in the lineup up and down, up and down the lineup. <laughs> Maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe he can't do it because you know playing first base is not easy. If you watch the movie Moneyball, you know it's incredibly hard. But still, it just seems like that makes so much sense. Can somebody tell me why? I mean, what's the argument against Jesse Winker getting work at first base? I mean, you're just going to go, are you going to go into uh, a season with, you know, Scott Heineman as your backup first baseman? Again, Heineman is Heineman. I, you know, I don't have any real objections to being, him being on the Reds bench. But if you get Joey Votto out for two months, who do you want starting every day? Scott Heineman or Jesse Winker? I mean, just there's got to be something I'm missing here. I mean, there's There has to be something that I'm not seeing. And again, let me know if if you've got an idea on that because it just it seems so obvious to me. And when something's so obvious, I know there's something that I'm missing. So 
uh, you know, again, at Dotson C on, on the Twitters or at Red Leg Radio. Let me know. Reds uh, sent some guys to the minors. Uh, none of these are, are surprising, really. I mean, Scott Heineman was sent down, uh, but he's probably your backup first baseman. Um, Chesler Cuthbert, who I mentioned because I like his name. Really, none of these are interesting except for Jose Garcia. Jose Garcia, who got so many at-bats uh, last season in his first major league action, didn't, didn't do a ton. And he's not played a lot at shortstop this spring. You know, the Reds uh, tried to get... Kyle Farmer and uh, and D Strange Gordon some uh, some minutes as they say in uh, March Madness at the position neither of them looked very good. Um, you know uh, that brings up a question. So Garcia is going to he needs to go Triple A. I'm fine with that. Still like Jose Garcia, no issues with that. A question that uh, Bill Lack and I were trying to um, record a podcast and we couldn't get it done. And when we were uh, before we had to kind of abandon, his question was, what happens if uh, India is in over his head? What happens if Jonathan India can't handle second base? It's possible. He's a rookie. It's going to be his first exposure to the big leagues. Um, I've already told you why I am kind of uh, the low man on Jonathan India. I hope, I hope there are things that I've not seen that he's going to be better than I think he is. And I'm, oh, I'll be so happy. So happy to admit that I'm wrong. Not that I'm wrong, but just admit that my skepticism was unwarranted about uh, Jonathan Indy. But what happens if he does can't cut it this year? Who's your backup? Kyle Farmer? Maybe, but you know the Reds weren't happy with him being a starter before. That's why Eugenio Suarez got moved over. Uh, D. Strange Gordon, same thing. Put him at second base, maybe. Either one of those guys, if you keep D. Strange Gordon. Uh, the Reds are going to have a problem if India can't handle it. They're they're banking a lot on that guy. They really are. So, uh, certainly, uh, Jose Garcia is not coming back up uh, for a while anyway. So, there you go. That's, uh, that's that news. Now, um, what other news do I have here? Anything else we want to talk about? Michael Lorenzen, shoulder issues. Not sure if he's quite going to be ready. Um. Hopefully he is. He says he will be, but who knows? Rez got uh, Carson Fulmer over the weekend, last weekend, off waivers, and they, you know, he pitched his first game. He looked fine against you know minor league kids, basically mostly. Um, boy, I don't know. There's a lot of guys, and and probably on next week's episodes we're gonna deal with the minor, the opening day roster and who's where and what's going on. But this pitching team, there's so many question marks right now. And again, Fulmer, I don't know. Everybody seems to be happy with, with that guy. But again, they got him off waivers. But he's a guy the Reds had had interest in before. And you know, that kind of always piques my interest because the Reds, with, with Kyle Bode and Derek Johnson in charge, are looking for a certain type of, of guy. So, you know. Um, other guys like Brandon Finnegan. You know, Finnegan's been okay. Um, Jesse Biddle we've seen before. Cam Bedrosian, whose dad won a Cy Young Award. Um, I don't know. This bullpen, man, that's a huge question mark, and I wish I had better answers for you all. I, I know that's why you, you uh, pay me the big bucks, is for those answers. But there's no bigger question mark than the Reds' bullpen. Even with injuries, I think the, the offense has a real chance to bounce back and be decent. Uh, the pitching staff, the, it, it all depends on Castillo and Gray being healthy. And Gray's not right now, but if, assuming he gets back like we think he's going to, those two guys at the top. And Tyler Malley, who we're going to talk about in a moment. 
those guys, top three, you know, there's enough depth that you can play around with that four and five spot in the rotation and get by. It's not nearly as big of a question mark. That bullpen, I just don't know. I don't know what to think. It's, uh, it's something. (laughs) So I'm nervous about that part of it. That's the part that I'm least optimistic about, but we'll see. I think they're gonna be okay. Fingers crossed. Green goes to spring or to opening day. I'm, I'm hopeful, I guess. Hey, you want to answer some viewer mail questions? Viewer mail questions. Now, these viewer mail questions come from our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio. That's patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you two can support the podcast. I, you know, I, I always feel we got a lot of listeners. The vast majority of our listeners are listening to the uh the, the feed for free. And that's great. I'm not, I, I don't mention Patreon. I try not to mention or, you know, try to beg for Patreon subscribers um, because, you know, the guys, uh, not just guys, but the people that are um, supporting the podcast through Patreon really helps us keep doing what we're doing and, and hopefully do some fun things going forward. But, uh, but this podcast is always going to remain free, but you know, we've got a, we got a really good group over there and we really do have a good time. Uh, we, we have our own, it's basically our private Twitter. It's our Slack channel where we just uh, talk amongst ourselves about the game. And it's really fun. And you can get access to that for as little as $2 a month. It's, uh, and there are some other goodies you can get if you go, if you go higher. Um, but, uh, but, but the Patreon crew, man, is a fun group. And I really, uh, really appreciate all of them. These questions come from those friends. Again, patreon.com slash radio. And you know, if you want to go over and toss us a couple bucks, I'm not going to complain. Not going to, not going to bother me. Come on, what are you waiting for? Season's here. We're optimistic. Get on this, uh, you know, this ship and, and, and join the family. All right. So here are the questions that for this week. Our first question comes from Joey Gaditza. Joey from Canada. Beat Joe Farsing to the punch this week. His question is this. Hey, guys. And again, these questions were supposed to be for me and Bill Lack, but technical difficulties. So I'm going to handle myself. Do you expect big strides from Tyler Malley this season? And then he says, how about that Patreon betting order? That's from last week. Uh, that's a, I started thinking about it, and I'm just going to make people mad if I start making a batting order, Joey. All I'm going to say is that, Joey, you're our leadoff hitter. And everybody can make their own batting order. I just know that I'm not batting at all. I am the manager. Tyler Malley. Tyler Malley, uh, I guess I probably shouldn't go too deep into this because if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know I've been nuts about Malley for years. And the reason why, in the minors, consistently, he got batters out. He was never through the hardest. He never had the best stuff necessarily. But he got batters out. And we saw a glimpse of that last season. You know, he started uh, nine games and ERA 3.59. We saw a guy that gets people out. And um, here's why I'm bullish on Malley. He's been successful at every level. And now he's been successful in the big leagues, at least a small sample last year. He's only 26. He's only going to be 26 this year. Uh, he's going to still improve. He, Tyler Malley is... If this is a bold statement, here's my hot take of the day. I'll tell you about another hot take that I had uh, earlier, earlier this week in just a moment, but here's my hot take. If Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray 
are healthy all the season, mostly mostly all the season. We know Sonny Gray is not right now, but if they stay healthy and they're basically pitching full-time for the Reds in 2021, Tyler Malley will be one of the five best number three starters in the National League. Which means that the Reds' top three will be elite. It'd be, it, it'll be the best top three in the National League, or at least one of the top two. You know, trios. And if you got a, a trio like that, you can do a lot of damage. A lot of my optimism is based off, off the fact that I really believe in Tyler Malley. I really believe in uh, Sonny Gray. I really believe in Luis Castillo uh, at the top of that rotation. I think I think this is Malley's breakout year. Hey, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I could be. I never have been wrong before. But uh, I, just, I see this 26 years old. He's gotten hitters out everywhere. He's had four, parts of four different seasons now in the big leagues, kind of trying to learn the league a little bit. He's uh, he improved, you know, uh, last year over the year before. I just I'm I'm bullish on Tyler Malley. So so Joey, my uh, my answer there is I do expect big strides from Tyler Malley this season. Now is he gonna have a better ERA than 3.59 that he had in 10 games last year, nine starts? Well, maybe not. But if he has a 3.59 ERA, okay. I don't know. I'll take that. Go Tyler Malley. The hot take that I was telling you about is, you know, I, I teach at a law school now, and I uh, made a really uh, intemperate comment about uh, Bruce Springsteen being overrated in my uh, criminal law class this week, and some of my students got a little upset with me. They clearly don't listen to Red Leg Nation Radio, where I slander Bruce Springsteen at least once a month, right? Next question from... Uh, Joe Farsing. Joe Farsing asks this. With the CBA, Collective Bargaining Agreement, expiring and service time certain to be a major change, do you think the Reds will try service time crap with Jonathan India? I say no, but wouldn't be surprised. So quickly, what he's talking about, you remember what happened with Nixon's L. The Reds had to keep him down for a little bit to try to get an extra year of team control. I made the case back then, and I'll continue to make the case. It's a completely garbage way to treat your employees. This is, it's, it's awful business. Um, the CBA is expiring, so everyone's presumption is that when the, when the Players Association and, and ownership sign a new collective bargaining agreement, that they're going to make big changes to the service time uh, requirements. I think that's almost guaranteed. So, so there's some thought that teams will stop trying to play these service time games. Because we don't know that it's going to actually help with the new CBA. And if it doesn't help, then we've just made our employee mad. My prediction is this. Absolutely the Reds are going to play service time games with Jonathan India. And I, I don't even think it's a question. And I understand your arguments, Joe. And, and I, you're not wrong. And I hope you're 100% right. I understand why you're you're saying that you don't think the Reds will try that service time nonsense. I mean, really, you know it's going to change. There's no the the downside or that it doesn't change enough. Maybe I don't I don't know what the downside is, but my opinion is this: Bob Castellini and Phil Castellini are running the baseball ops department at this point. Yeah, Phil Castellini has moved over into the baseball ops side of it, and Bob Castellini 
you heard the interview if you listened to it last week. He was reading answers, appeared to be reading answers that were prepared ahead of time. I'm not sure he's going to be willing at this point to change the way he's consistently done things. And that interview told you that he constantly, number one, sticks his fingers into baseball ops uh, decisions. And number two, he has uh, you know final say over money issues. Yeah, they're going to try the service time nonsense. I think we're going to get, you know, two weeks or three weeks or whatever of Kyle Farmer at second before we get Jonathan India full-time. That's my prediction. Please, please, please let me be wrong. Please let Jonathan India be the starting second baseman. Again, and I'm not a big Jonathan India fan, but he's your best option for second base. Please let him be the starting second baseman on opening day. Next question comes from Crack Rock Mouse. Did I literally just say those words, crack rock mouse. Come on, dude, quit changing your name to something more silly every week. Question is this, what would you do if you got a boat stuck in a canal? Hurry, my boss and the governments of 46 countries need to know. <laughs> Did you all see that? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Go Google it if, if you haven't seen it. Uh, what you do is you do exactly what... Uh, Austin Powers did in that movie. You just got to back up and go forward just a little bit at a time and you'll eventually get it turned around. <laughs> Chuck Nichols asks, Hi guys, how you doing today? Now, why do you say guys? It's just me, Chuck. How did you not anticipate it would be just me? Ring, ring. Oh, it's the Angels and they want to trade Jose Iglesias for Nixon Zell or Kyle Farmer. Do you make the trade and who do you trade? Jose Iglesias, obviously our, our old friend. He used to play here in Cincinnati, and he's been in the news a little bit over the last couple of weeks because he keeps making insane defensive plays for the Angels. My answer is this. Um, no chance on earth I trade him for Nixon Zell. No chance on earth. Um, Nixon Zell's ceiling is still way higher than anything you're going to get for Iglesias. Do I trade him for Kyle Farmer? I might consider that. Just because the Reds don't really have a shortstop. And so what happens if, uh, you know, India can't cut it or somebody gets hurt, you can move, you can slide uh, Suarez back to back to third base and, and put Iglesias there, who cannot hit. Everyone seemed to think he could hit for some reason when he was here. He just he can't hit. He's awful at the plate. But even when he was in Cincinnati, I never said anything other than that dude can pick it at shortstop defensively. He's good. So I'd consider Farmer. Farmer gives you a little bit more flexibility in terms of where you can play him. But no way I'd trade him for uh, for Sinzel. I'm, you know, again, Sinzel's health. I'm beyond trying to predict that. But if he's on the field, he's going to be way more valuable. Way, if, he's, if he plays the same number of games as Iglesias or Farmer, he's going to be twice as valuable in terms of wins above replacement. At least. Hopefully more. John Majewski, I always want to call him Majewski after his cousin, uh, distant cousin, Gary Majewski. John Majewski, should the Reds try to have a system of late-inning switches to improve the defense, in particularly high-leverage situations? Let's say the Reds are up one in the bottom of the eighth at St. Louis. Is it worth it to substitute one of the Cowles, Kyle Farmer, Kyle Holder, for Suarez, and then move Suarez back to third with Moose, presumably Mike Moustakis, heading to the bench? Uh I think it's almost guaranteed it's going to happen. I mean, you know, David Bell, he likes to remind us that he's there, <laughs> that he's alive, 
that he's in charge. Uh, I think something like that is almost guaranteed uh, more than once. Now you got to deal with uh, Moustakas in this particular example with his uh, ego. You know, David Bell had the issue with Nick Castellanos last year removing him. But I think should the Red, you're asking should the Reds do it? There are instances where yes, they should do it. The problem is David Bell does it so often that it takes good hitters out of the lineup that comes back to to screw the Reds. So my answer there is yes, they should occasionally. The way John puts it, it's perfect. Particularly high leverage situations. Yeah, I think so. In those particularly high leverage situations, let's not double switch uh, Mike Mustakas out of the game though in the sixth inning, which is what David Bell has a tendency to do. So, uh, good question. Good question, John. Next comes from Petros Wheels. Petros Wheels asks this. Kyle Bodie had originally signed a two-year commitment, I believe. Kyle Bodie is basically directing all the pitching uh, development in the Reds organization. I love the change in focus the organization has had towards the driveline. That driveline baseball was was Bodie's uh, company. Driveline approach. Do you expect to see him continue beyond this time frame with the Reds? Uh, there's no way to know uh, unless you know Kyle Bodie, and I don't. Um, I think so. I mean, I think the... Well, again, some of it is complicated by the fact that uh, Bob Castellini has uh, kind of put a stranglehold on acquiring players and things like that. Uh, so you never know whether that's frustrating, having an ownership that will not spend money. Maybe it is uh, frustrating. Maybe he sees that he can do more at another with another organization. But my thoughts are that Bodie uh, has a lot of kind of free reign with the pitching development here. And his reputation is a little bit on the line here in some ways. And, you know, if he can turn the Reds organization, which has been garbage, to, well, for pitchers that have been garbage developing pitchers for my entire lifetime. Uh, a little more success with hitters, obviously, but with pitching, it, how many good pitchers have the Reds uh, developed? Few. And so if he can really turn it around, and early returns are pretty good, I think he can, uh, I mean, he's not going to be here for the rest of his career, probably. Somebody, someone's going to tempt him away, but I think he can make a lot of money by doing the job here. And he's already started. So I do think I expect to see him, again, with no inside knowledge uh, about this particular uh, question. I do expect to see him continue beyond uh, beyond two years. Uh, he's not going to be here forever. And I don't even know how much beyond two years, but I think so. And, and and I've got nothing but good things to say about what we've seen out of Kyle Bodie. I think that his uh, his voodoo works. Charles Zollers, 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 Zollers. I'm only uh, mispronouncing your name, uh, Charlie, because you got to crack on Virginia every week in your question. Quit that. So I'm not going to even look at that. I'm going to go to the next question that you ask. What would it realistically take to get Bob Castellini out of Cincinnati? Oh, my. The answer here. Let me watch how I say this. I mean, the truth is, the answer is he's probably... He probably has to pass away. Uh, I think that the I think that's the most realistic way to get him out of running this team. But even that doesn't fix the Reds because Phil Castellini, who has done some really good things for I, I, I don't I'm going to hammer Phil Castellini when he takes over and actually probably this year because he's sticking his fingers into the baseball ops department. But the stuff he's done with the ballpark and you know he's been basically on that other side of it. 
making the ballpark experience. Uh, he's done a fantastic job with that stuff. I mean, you cannot complain about the ballpark experience in Cincinnati. But, you know, there's a difference between baseball ops and, you know, bobbleheads. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I just, there's no, there's no, what would it realistically take to get the Castellini ownership group out of Cincinnati? There's nothing you can do until they decide they want to give away their toy. I, give away. Boy, that's the wrong words. Because when they sell it, they're going to make so much uh, more money than they already have. That it's going to be ridiculous. It's a billion-dollar franchise. So nothing we can do. Uh, I'm just going to keep uh, you know writing columns, hammering Castellini, which means he's going to refuse to hire me. And so whatever. Mike Perry, when you're not cheering for the Reds, what MLB team do you enjoy watching the most? Come on, Mike. This is a question I get at least once a year. And I think I feel like I kind of get this question once a year. Because people are trying to like put it on a tee and uh, so that I can take some abuse on the Twitters and, and elsewhere. The only other Major League Baseball team, this year it might be the Padres, actually. I may have to start watching them because I really love what they're doing out there. They're actually trying to win. It's a strange concept. There's only one other MLB team that I watch with any regularity, basically when the Reds are not playing. I watch the Yankees. I'm sorry. I know everyone hates the Yankees, but, you know, um, until New York shut down, it was my favorite place to be, frankly, uh, in the world. I love uh, going to New York. I love the energy of that city. And I just I love it. So I had to, I'm not going to cheer for the Mets. They're the National League. So went to old Yankee Stadium with it, been to new Yankee Stadium. Neither are that impressive, frankly, but it's the Yankees. I'm sorry. Don't kill me. If I haven't proven my bona fides as a Reds fan at this point, you know, come on. Kyle Kapler, top five Reds with the best hair of all time. That's a question I was looking forward to having a discussion with uh, with Bill Lack about. Uh, you know, Bill is, uh, he's the godfather, and uh, sometimes he, you know, gets a little grumpy, and I thought he might yell at the hippies, maybe. I don't know. Um, Jonathan India is probably up there. We've talked about Jonathan India's hair much this spring. I think you got to have, uh, again, if we're talking facial hair as well, you said best hair of all time. I'm going to add facial hair in there. So uh, you got to have uh, Corky Miller, probably, who somehow has sustained a career based on having a, a, a really cool mustache. I think you got to have George Foster with those sideburns. Come on, George Foster. Um, Bronson. Bronson Arroyo. He never had the, the, the cornrows. I don't think he ever did that in Cincinnati like he did when he was with Boston, but still, great locks. And the last one, oh, mercy. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, Sam, LeCure, Sam LeCure, maybe. I don't know because of the facial hair. I'm struggling to think of anyone who had uh, great hair for the Reds. And I thought I was thinking about it earlier. And I can't come up with anyone. So there, there's my top five. All right. We have, uh, what, here? Three, four more questions. Let's get them pretty quickly. Rich Thompson. Gentlemen. Again, it's just me, Rich. Been a lot of discussion about Kyle Farmer's role and value with the team. Now, it appears he will continue as a super utility player for the team. Personally, I think he's probably one of the best players in recent memory to fill such a role for the Reds. However, for the sake of argument, would you prefer to have any of these blasts from the past at the pinnacles of their illustrious careers with the Reds instead of Kyle Farmer? And his choices are Daryl Chaney, Luis Quinones, and Juan Castro. 
So a uh, good question. I, I think Rich, uh, I think I disagree with uh, fundamentally with uh, that he's one of the best Reds players in recent memory to fill this kind of super utility player. I don't, again, I'm going to feel like this is something else that uh, Bill Lack and I were talking about before we had to abandon our attempt tonight was I, I don't want to attack Kyle Farmer. He's what he is. He can play a lot of positions and he's fine as a 26th guy on the roster. Um, but he can't really hit. And he's not a superb defensive player at any position, but he can just kind of play a bunch of positions. So I don't mind having Kyle Farmer on the team. I think he does have uh, some value for the Reds, but he can't hit. I mean, he's never been able to hit. Let's not pretend like he's going to hit. Um, he just can play a lot of places. So Daryl Chaney, Luis Quinones, and Juan Castro. Chaney, of course, um, Chaney played 11 years in the big leagues, and a big part of that was with the uh, the Big Red Machine, 1969 to 1975. Uh, you know, couldn't really hit either. I don't think I'd take him over, over Chaney. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I think I do take him over Chaney, or at least they're actually fairly comparable. Played a long time without any distinguishable elite skills. Um, Juan Castro. The thing I'll say about Castro is, yes... Reds manager Jerry Marin let him pinch hit for uh, Josh Hamilton, and Castro was just an awful hitter. But now Castro could play defense. Castro was an elite defensive player. So I'd probably take Juan Castro over Cal Farmer, maybe. Castro could probably only play a couple positions, so maybe that's uh, an argument for Farmer. But, but Castro was legit. You talk about a late-inning defensive replacement. Castro could play. He couldn't hit, but he could play uh, defense. Um, so it's it's kind of close there because he doesn't have the uh, the ability to move around the diamond as much. Now the next one was Luis Quinones, and the answer is Luis Quinones. That's who I take. Luis Quinones, you may not know this, but he was on the 1990 Wire to Wire Reds. Yes, and he was. The uh, really important, uh, really important figure in the Reds' uh, World Series uh, video after they won the World Series. You know, where's Quinones? And if you know what that means, you're a true Reds fan of a certain vintage. And I tip my cap to you. So I'm taking Luis Quinones. I don't know that any of those guys are much better than Kyle Farmer. I think they're all kind of similar. It's the 26th guy on the roster and. Is what it is. So farmer's fine. I don't mind having farmer, but he's he's a twenty sixth guy. Risto Neely. And and this week I requested short and pithy questions, and Risto once again can't keep it short and pithy. But that's his role here on the Red Leg Nation team, and that's fine. Risto Neely asks, and it's a good question. Hey there, Chad and Mister Lack. It has recently come to my attention that our R&R community, Red Nation Radio, has a lot of musicians in it. Some we've been talking about on our Slack channel a little bit. Some musicians, including Risto. On the outside chance that we form a Red Lake Nation Radio band, I have these ideas for a name. Please pick one or give me one of your own. Here are his uh, suggestions. The Riverfronters, the Ballpark Basemen, Red Leg Nationeers, the Grateful Reds, the Redneck Reds, comment on my accent and the Chad Dotson experience. 
Now that the band has a name, what genre of music do we play? So the answer there is Resignation Ears, no, because that sounds too much like the Lumineers. It's clearly the Grateful Reds. I love it. The Grateful Reds. Uh, what genre of music do we play? Oh, I think we probably play um, folk music. We play folk music. I don't know. <sighs> Next question. Two more here. Quickly. Branch Brown. I love it. It's one of the best questions we ever got gotten uh, here at Patreon. Branch Brown asks us this. If you owned an MLB team, would you want to win? <laughs> yes. Yes, I would do everything I could to win. What's the point of owning an MLB team? Oh, love it, Branch. Fantastic. Last question comes from our friend Hooper Powell. Hooper Powell's very short and, short and pithy question. Whiskey or a good beer? Whiskey or a good beer? Pretty clear answer for me, Hooper. The answer is this. It's whiskey. And the reason why? Carbs. Not as many carbs. All right, that's Red Leg Nation Radio for this week. Thank you all for joining us once again. Uh, sorry you had to listen to me the entire time, but again, I'm not really sorry because you know you loved it. I mean, really deep down, you know you loved it. Getting to listen to my voice this whole time. Uh, you can subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Go do that. It's uh, it's it's almost open a day. Let's be optimistic, shall we? Please. All right, for Bill Lack and Doug Gray, this is Chad Dotson saying, so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.